Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of the video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Dogfight. In Dogfight, a group of Marines organize a dance during their last night in San Francisco before leaving for Vietnam. They hold a contest to see which one can bring the ugliest date, and the winning soldier gets a cash prize. Eddie Birdlace, played by River Phoenix, has trouble finding someone until he comes across Rose, played by Lily Taylor, working at a diner. Screenplay by Bob Comfort, directed by Nancy Savoca, and premiered at the Telluride Film Festival on August 30th, 1991. You have not seen Dogfight before, I'm assuming. No, I am surprised I haven't. But I think the reason why I never watched this movie is because it's called Dogfight. Sure. And I was like, no. I literally thought of Dog's Fight. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, it's not an actual... It's not an actual dog fight, but... Yeah, when those those two words put together, I'm like, no, I'm not. In, like, I didn't even want to bother to know anything about it. Yeah, I don't think I've really heard of this movie until we started looking at movies for this podcast in general. So it's one that didn't really, I don't know, it didn't really capture the, the independent world all that much. I mean, it surprises me because... I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Like, this was was this nominated for any independent spirit awards? Not a single one. I'm shocked. Yeah. Because this should have been at least nominated for like acting or even for writing. Like the story. Yep, I I kind of agree. This this movie really surprised me. I was, I don't know, the, the subject matter and like the, the summary of the whole system made me think, oh, this is going to be like a super insensitive movie. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, well, reading the plot, I was like, oh, I'm not. And then just the beginning part where all the guys are just being very broy, I'm like, ugh, mm-hmm. I don't know. But it turns into, the, I also looked this up because I was like, was Richard Linklater inspired by this movie to do one of my favorite movies before sunrise right because it's pretty much like that story it turns into that it's yeah it it gave me a lot of those vibes except it doesn't get into like the as much of the existential like philosophical conversational stuff yeah it's just them hanging out a day not yeah. even like 12 hours yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's them in like one single night going Walking around, around different places in san francisco and talking about things i mean but they Lily do taylor's character is really carrying most of the conversation and trying to take things into different places yeah and he's and just like Eddie is whatever yeah he I don't, he doesn't really have the intellectual um 
ability to go back and forth at that level with her. Right. But he's, you know, he's fascinated by it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> th- this is a situation where, yeah, the opening shows a lot of, I mean, it's Marines on a bus. And so there, it's a lot of, it, this movie is a lot about expectations of people. And so that's establishing, like, these Marines are, you know, manly men, many, whatever. And, yeah. you know, they have to, like, look at boobs at all times and, like, right. talk about sex and, like, only want, like, you know, certain things. And Eddie wants other things out of himself and out of life, and he doesn't care as much about that superficial aspect. But that's all he knows. That's all he's been around. That's all his friends know. And so he yeah, wants to conform he's like to that. Eighteen, going on nineteen. Yeah, These he's also really young and doesn't really. They're fully... all young, cause and then this is before. Well, it's during. Vietnam, but they it's like right at the beginning of Vietnam because they don't yeah. really know what's going on. Because yeah. when they do talk about, he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna be shipping off to Okinawa to train, and then we're gonna go into this quote little country called Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, he's underplaying it. Like, he All knows, right. he knows that like this is what he signed up for, though. Yeah, and then. Lily Taylor's character is like, isn't there a war going on there? He's like, oh yeah, but we're just gonna go there as advisors or something. Yeah. Like, like yeah, very tongue in cheek, yeah. back and forth between them. And he's like, I'll be in and out in like a few months. That's what he's like right. saying or but thinking. That's, that part is probably what the soldiers were actually told. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's even when just any war movie. I don't even know. It's like even when we were watching just like recently. Just about World War One. These young kids just like, yeah, you're going to fight for your country. And they're all like, yeah, all gung-ho about it. But once they get there, they're like, fuck. Yeah, you're talking about Elkhart on the Western Front. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this takes place in 1963, primarily. Um, and, yeah, last night. The... Uh, so yeah, there's that setup of all these guys, and it's like the four Bs. They're calling themselves the four Bs because all their last names start, start with, with the letter B. B. Yeah. You got Burzen as the leader, and then you have Benjamin, and you have Eddie Birdlace, and then you have Oki, whose last name I didn't write down, but they call him Oki, but his last name starts with a B. Yeah. Um, but everyone just calls him Oki. And they're, you know, it's kind of like a good introduction to like the type of humor and, and situation you're gonna have because they're at the bus station they're all lined up and then Burzen is like talking to them and they're like they're do- basically doing like this army back and forth salute like sir yes sir right it's like are we soldiers or are we assholes they're like sir asshole sir and like you right. know they yeah, have like this routine this that they do movie was making me laugh yeah yeah and and um you know so that kind of like gives you like the idea of what you're in for that it's not going to take itself too seriously it's not going to take these characters too seriously but also it takes I don't know. I think it treats things su- with a surprising amount of respect for a 1991 movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate to, like, sort of throw that qualifier on there, but, I don't know, we've seen a lot of 1991 movies where they just do not treat things very well um, because it was societally okay to not treat mm. things well. Yeah. Um, and, and this, I think, does things all right. Uh, so you have these guys who are going around town trying to find like 
the quote unquote ugly girls. Yeah, and that's to bring this, to this party. like a tradition. Like whatever town they are in, they do this. Yeah, whenever they're getting shipped off or something, they rent out a place. There's like an entry fee. You have to pay fifty bucks to enter this contest, and then use that money to rent out a place for the party, and then also give money to the winner. Yeah. And so it's something that they've done multiple times. Right, the because Burzen has won four times in a row. Already. Yeah. So yeah, so it's not a yearly thing. It's something that they do, I guess. Like whenever they go any somewhere. Any deployment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the rule is that they always have to treat the women with like respect and kindness to their faces, mm-hmm. at least. And then whoever finds the ugliest one wins. And this is based off of a real thing. Yeah. And um, they're in San Francisco for the night, so you just see all the guys looking for someone ugly. You just bird lace, you see him kind of, oh, like striking out with women, I guess. Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, I <laughs> Where mean, he's just, well, he's kind of like not into it. Yeah, he doesn't seem too invested in it. Um, but also at the same time, like most of these girls can see through the shitty fake flirting. Right. They're just like, it's like yeah, this, they're, this they're saying like sort of really joke, misogynistic so things in the beginning. Like they're like, oh, you're so pretty. Do you have a boyfriend? And like, no, do you, are you married? No. Then are you a lesbian? Because you don't have it like saying stuff like that. Right. But then there's also the other side of the coin, like when Benjamin meets Ruth Two Bears, he sees her and immediately goes up and hugs her and he's like, oh, you're like, he, it's like, like, like they've known like this, each other for so long. He, he pretends like there's this case of like mistaken identity of a pen, like a fake pen pal that he makes up. He's like, mm. oh, well, I thought you were my pen pal because you're like the splitting image of my pen pal. Mm. It's like, oh, I thought you were her because I was supposed to meet her and I guess she stood me up. So, hey, do you want to go do this thing? This party. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like interesting, like approaches to like what each guy you we see the three guys we don't see how Burzen picks up a woman right which is important to the plot later on yeah but yeah it's just interesting to see that one it doesn't take too long you don't go through a whole bunch of people and two that like the people who do reject are just like this is clearly fake you're full of shit leave me the fuck alone right you see a lot of women just saying leave me alone and I'm bird lace i don't know if i should just call him bird lace because <laughs> they mostly or call eddie, him or eddie yeah. yeah i don't know river phoenix's character yeah, he yeah he's caught in the into, rain yeah he goes into a coffee shop and that's when he just happens upon rose because she's like in a corner sort of singing quietly in a corner playing a guitar and he sees that and she's not yeah, she's not playing for the diner. She's on break just practicing. Yeah, but so she's, she's not, not facing. She's facing. She's the facing the other way, people. and he's like obviously like interested, mm-hmm. but he sees her, and then she just looks very plain. And then you see like once he does invite her, like he's trying to make her look uglier mm-hmm. by like making her makeup look all fucked up and whatever, and her hair or whatever, because he's like. Oh, let me do that for you. Yeah, and let stuff. me let me try to put on that lipstick for you. And, and she's like, just like, 
gets it all She's over. just very, you know, kind of like awkward because she, she helps with this coffee shop that her mom owns and her grandma used to own and they're all named Rose. And her mom, which I didn't even know this, but the woman who was behind the counter, the yeah. mom, Rose, that's, that was her mom. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that until reading the plot of this movie and looking <laughs> at the cast. Because I thought she was just like a very annoyed waitress. Sure. Yeah, no, that's that's Rose Sr. Yeah, that's her mom. <laughs> and because the... the like, the mom sees that he's, like, a dick. <laughs> and yeah. she's just, like, rolling her eyes, but... In this case, the mom sees through the fake flirting. Yeah, and but she's kind of, like, not telling her... Because he invites her to the party. He's like, oh, I got a party going. You can come if you want. But he's not, like, forcing her to come. And she's like, no, I really want to come. And then she tells her mom, like, I'm gonna go. Like, at the last minute, and the mom just... The mom isn't really mad. She's just, like... She's annoyed because she's annoyed. she has to do the after-hours work. Now. Yeah, she's annoyed, <laughs> but she's not like, no, I don't want you going out with this dude. Right. She's just annoyed that she has to do extra work. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, whatever, go. And then... <laughs> I mean, it's kind of tough to get a read on her actual... The mom? Performance yeah. on yeah, this. Yeah, she I mean, was... This is, this is played by Holly Near, who is a songwriter. She's like a folk singer. Uh, yeah. And this movie has a lot of folk music in it. So they uh, Holly Near has some acting experience in Slaughterhouse-Five, The Todd Killings, and Minnie and Mouskowitz. But she's primarily like a singer-songwriter who's done like 15-plus albums and done a lot of folk stuff. So not her... like Yeah, like the performance is, is tough to get a beat on. Yeah, she's like, your, your donut is getting cold. It's like, yeah, your, your coffee is gonna get cold. Yeah, your it's, donut. It's super, super dry delivery. And, um, so yeah, Rose meets up with Eddie, and they're on their way to that bar, the nightlight, which I had to look up, and it turns out that a lot of the filming in this movie, like, interior stuff, was in Seattle. Yeah. I think even some of the exterior, but there was like at least yeah. one key part that was done in San Francisco, where they had. Well, there's like a the, lot of key like, parts in San Francisco. But I mean, like they have like a like the a bookshop or whatever in the background of some things. But I think the Chinatown may not be San Francisco's Chinatown. I, that might be something. No, I, that looks like it because I recognize that when they get to when they turn the corner because in the chinatown in san francisco it's like just three blocks stockton and then when you like turn on broadway you're pretty much like in north beach and that's where they were hanging out and that's when they were like on that corner there where city lights bookstore is yeah and that's the same bookstore that they were in front of okay so it it has to have been the san francisco chinatown I, i mean i don't but that nightlight place I was looking up because I was like, this place looks cool. Like, the interior just looked really cool. <laughs> yeah, very gaudy, campy. It's like, like very, sea, yeah, I kind of like decor. how seedy and I just liked the decor on the inside. And I was like, I that's why I looked it up to see if it exists. But it, it it's in Seattle, but I don't think it exists now. 
yeah, interesting club, and you you see the pan over of like all the different people and the people you know the the dates that they brought and whatever, and the four bees are at a table with their respective dates, and yeah, so like Rose Two Bears is there uh, with Benjamin. Oki has this person named Linda, um, which is the woman that he was hitting on in the first place by asking if she was a lesbian. Like yeah, pushing down his paper, her paper, and be like hey. Like, well, where is he? Like, where's who? Your boyfriend. Right. Or your husband. Or, like, well, you must be a lesbian then, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, you're too attractive to not have a partner, basically, is, like, what he is trying to get at. Right. And uh, evidently that worked. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was, like, shocked to see it, because she was very turned off by that. Yeah. I was shocked to see her go with him. And then Burzum comes in with with Marcy, who is E.G. Daly. Right. <laughs> I didn't daily, know it was but her. With, with missing teeth. Yeah, I didn't know it was her until she started talking. Mm, yeah, she has a very recognizable voice. Yeah, she doesn't have any teeth and... But that's like the only thing. Yeah, she's not ugly. <laughs> she just has no... She's a very... If you look at her, she's very pretty. And then I don't know why he won just because she had missing teeth. Yeah, I mean it furthered the plot. They do this judging where they, they're trying to, like, just force alcohol on these women. They're like, yeah, keep drinking, keep drinking. And Rose is like, what's... Because Eddie is now just acting very aggro. I don't know. He's, like, swearing and, like, telling her to drink more. And she's like, what's wrong with you? He didn't want to be there anymore. Right. And I think he's just feeling bad that he brought her. But yeah. he's kind of, like, in between just going along with his friends because his friends would be like hey how come you didn't bring anyone right so like he feels bad for bringing her but then he's kind of like trying to act cool in front of his friends Mm -hmm. but also not he doesn't want to be there (laughs) yeah he's like swearing and stuff and rose is like what's wrong with you like going on and rose is like the only one that's like trying to keep the conversation she's like how do you guys know each other and blah, like what's going on and whatever yeah and um because she's oblivious well they're all like all the women except for eg daily knows what's going on and they have this judging area where it's like three guys are in a booth doing the judging and once they bring the women onto the dance floor, that's when it's time to judge. Get the final scores. Yeah, the final scores. And you just see these guys, like, talking shit about each woman, and it's, like, horrible <laughs> to see. They don't They don't linger on that, though. Yeah, much. it's only for, like, and, a like, couple of minutes. One of them is, like, making fun of the guy for bringing another dude in drag instead of a woman. Right, and then they were like, oh, well, his points go up to seven, which I don't even, what is it, one out of ten? Like, what's... Yeah, like, out of ten. It's like, oh, this woman's a three. It's like, that's not actually a woman. That's a guy in drag. Oh, well, I give him a seven. Like, he, like, that guy is a really attractive guy Until Burzen comes along and with Marcy, and Marcy just smiles and she's got no teeth, and then Burzen automatically wins. Yeah. Even though, like... That's it. She just yeah. had no teeth. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, while this is going on, Rose gets sick, and she goes to the bathroom, and she starts, like, throwing up, and she's... 
on the floor and that's when Marcy comes in and Burzin also comes in. They kind of have a fight because prior to this, Burzin promised to give Marcy half of the money he won and he wasn't going to give her the money. Yeah, he was like trying to stiff her on the deal or something yeah. like that. But Rosia overheard the whole thing and then Marcy explains like how the dog fight works and... Yeah, and then Rose confronts Eddie and is pissed off and Rose, leaves. Yeah. But, I mean, he goes after her and apologizes. And and that's when the, the main story starts. Right, the main story. And then he's like, I would like to take you on an actual date. So I was wondering what time of day this was because it seems like... They're going to rant, like, they go to dinner next. Because he's like, let me take you out to dinner. And I'm like, what time is it? Uh Yeah, and I I don't know. I think he was escaping the the rain when it was still kind of light out. And so... It could have been, like, 9 p.m. I have no idea. Yeah, this could be pretty early in the evening. Because, but then they also go to bars. And I was also thinking, bars closed early when I was living there. (laughs) Bars, I was thinking of all these things. I'm like, bars did not stay open till like 5 a.m. like they do here. They, there was like at least like 1 or 2 a.m. when they would close. I think the one that confused me is like when they went back to the arcade and that was like empty but still open. Like that had been like midnight-ish. You would think. Right. That's that's why I was like, why is everything open overnight? Yeah. Just for this movie. <laughs> but, yeah, um, so, it's a minor thing, but yeah. It, right. Basically, um, Rose is very Yeah, she patient, just wants to go home. Yeah, very forgiving she, she's with like, him. Yeah, she's very, she's a nice person. Like, surprisingly willing to hear him out more than she should at times. Yeah. Um, especially in that original, you know, um, conversation when he returns to her house and it basically say, Hey, can I actually take you out? You know, he jumps the fence, gets around the, the barking dog and like puts a note in her window. I'm like, Hey, come out front so I can talk to you. Right. Thing. And then and they just he says he like... tries to talk her out of it. He's like, like, like you were disqualified from this. You weren't, you know, you didn't make the cut. And like, I yeah, tried she, to talk you out of dancing. Like, I tried to talk you out of going she inside. She was like, so how so... much money did I make? And he was like, oh, you were disqualified. Yeah. Um, so then they're walking around looking for a place to eat. They walk into like random places and he's like, this isn't good enough. Like he wants to go to somewhere fancy. So they go to this hotel lobby restaurant. Some some big stuffy yeah. restaurant Five like star looking thing. Yeah, like in Curly Sue. Right. Where um the host, I guess, is just automatically sees Eddie and is like, You need a jacket and he's like, Well, I have one. He's like, That's a windbreaker, sir. Right. Like you need a dinner jacket and a tie. So then it's funny they go to like a just a random vintage store or whatever just to get a jacket and a tie. And then but they like, come that's back. that's after hours. Like, that's, like, something that they force the owners to open up after right. hours, which we don't see that part happening. But, like, they, you see Lily, uh, it's Rose's like as character, if, talking to the, the it, wife owner. Yeah, like, it says Rose knows every run. Well, because she lives there and works in that neighborhood, so she probably knows these. Because 
Well, Later. she probably knew the place to go, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. know. You see her like sweet talking and like lying about like mm-hmm. a funeral that they have to go to last minute, at late at night, whatever. And so like that's, you know, it's fun to see her getting involved in the adventure part. Yeah, and you see Eddie just looking at her like he's impressed. Mm-hmm. And then they go back, and Eddie's like, "I got a tie and jacket on." So, I mean, he's being like very sarcastic and uh, I was laughing I don't know <laughs> yeah like he's he's yeah he's I was like, like laughing anti-society at his... but understands like he needs to be part of it in right situations. I'm laughing at I was laughing at his comments and um so they sit down to order and then all of a sudden you know like Rose is like why are you always swearing but then she kind of just like humors him so when she orders the food she's like I'll have a fucking bullshit salmon mm-hmm. and this <laughs> side of pe- rice pilaf and whatever I don't know yeah, I didn't write it down bastard, probably, whatever yeah this bastard this bastard salad yeah <laughs> and then he's just sitting there like smile like kind of just like amused by this and he doesn't order anything because he confesses like i don't have enough money for both of our meals but then you see her split hers and he's like oh you don't have to do that but she does it anyways yeah the whole thing is just like um it's it's showing like the opposites attract side of things yeah one and two it's also her just trying to make a really good point of like you don't have to swear all the time and mm-hmm. here's like a good example of like why you don't want to you know? yeah because like, the waiters they're just kind of taking it all in stride like what the hell is going on um i mean she and then when they do leave she does confront that waiter host i don't yeah. know because he was a host but also their waiter i don't No, it was a different person oh okay mm-hmm. it looked like the same guy but she confronts like the host, just saying, "You know, you were judging." Yeah, our appearance. To judge people by appearances and whatever. And then he's just like, "Whatever about it," and they just go about. They just start walking around, and she's talking about how she wants to be a folk singer and all the music that she likes. And he's kind of just saying, "Oh, my friend Burzen hates that shit." And makes fun of it and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And when they first met, he made up a name. He's like, "Oh, do you know so and so?" I I forgot the name. I didn't read that. Swain. I forget <laughs> Someone, the John yeah. Swain or something like that. Yeah, and she's like, "No, I've never heard of that." But then he confesses like he made that up. Yeah, it's just like a way for him to yeah get in. Right. But um, yeah, like a lot of their conversations could go into deep. Yeah, places, it's just but. I don't think he has the capacity to do so, but it's right. like it's very much like this war versus peace, and Eddie's honestly more of a black and white type of a guy, whereas Rose sees the nuances in things, um, but is also like purely anti-war, like purely anti-soldier in a sense, but not anti-person, but yeah. an, you know just anti the idea of anyone fighting. So it's interesting that she's like. I don't know, maybe it's like an experiment for her too to just, you know, be in this environment and, and like learn from this person. Who is going to war. Yeah. Although at, it, at the time she doesn't really... know that she that he's going to war because he didn't tell her that she's shipping, that he's shipping Until off. like almost later on when he's about to 
leave. Because, <laughs> um, well, I don't So they're talking, and yeah, because we don't really know much about his backstory either. He has, like, this tattoo of, like, a bird on his, like, hand, yeah. His hand, like, the thumb and forefinger, and, like, he makes it fly or whatever. But he doesn't, yeah. There's, like, no talks about, like, the reason why he is in the Marines or anything like that. Yeah, but you can just tell he's still, like, very disillusioned already about life. Yeah. Yeah, but she's, like, um, she reveals more about, like, I know more about Lily or Rose's life than his, you know? Yeah. She's, like, revealing more about her dreams and, like, her history and whatever. And that's, they're just walking around different parts of San Francisco, mostly the North Beach area. There, There's a part where they are near Coit Tower, where those stairs that go near it, they're like walking up the stairs and then down the stairs. And then there's a point where they are in Washington Square Park and they go down to Chinatown. When they go into that it's now called Musée Mécanique, but I don't know what it was back in the 60s. I don't know if it was called the Musée Mécanique, which is like an old penny arcade, mm-hmm. which has super old arcade games from like the 1800s and stuff. But you see the guys, after that dog fight, quote unquote, the other three guys, they go there afterwards where Burzen gets his winnings and they're talking about, you know, the women and they're playing all these like random games and Oki's playing one that's like a, like a perverted one where it's like, oh, I see the top and, you know, it's like, a, it's like some weird, it's like a Nickelodeon show. It's not like a kinda. game. It's, it's like a thing it's where like you a put in a show. coin and like you see a naked woman but it either shows only the top or the bottom not a full naked woman that's what he's complaining about yeah, he's complaining that it stops you for the good parts like forcing you to put in more money yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they get into because then they're always talking about how they have this feud with the navy and you know they call each other jarheads and the, the, the marines that's yeah. the marines that even eddie says that because then He's like, you can call me Jarhead if you want to Rose. And Rose is like, okay, Jarhead, you know. And then he's saying how they call the the guys in the Navy squids. And there is a point where they're in that arcade where they get into a fight with a sailor. And one of them is Brendan Fraser. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they fight over a, a... They see like a hot woman go by and they're like, whoa... Yeah, I don't know exactly what the thing is. Brendan Fraser has one line in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oscar winner, Brendan Fraser now. Um, and his line is, how'd you like to eat my shit? And then, <laughs> yeah. and then they fight at the arcade and that's it. Yeah, they, they have a fight. But then it's a plan for those four guys to go get these bee tattoos. And while Eddie and Rose are just walking around talking, Burzen sees them through the tattoo like the window of the tattoo place and he doesn't say anything 
Because the other guys are like, where's Birdlace? He's supposed to be Yeah, it's going to be his turn soon. As if he would ever know where they were. Unless they made, like, a plan. It's possible they made plans ahead of time to do that stuff. But, but yeah, like, it's interspersed with them doing, like, bro-y bro stuff. Right, yeah. This is our last night. We got a rage. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, and then you have the dichotomy of him trying to, like, learn more about about girl her yeah and, but they do eddie and rose end up do do going to that arcade but it's like empty now and mm-hmm. that's when um they go into like this room with like i don't know puppets and shit and a bunch music. of different musical devices yeah musical devices puts, start he, playing he turns on all at once and she's you know enamored by that and this is where they like start to connect like they that's where they start to make out too yeah kiss yeah yeah they start kissing <laughs> but it's like this the tension the builds in the next scene right yeah so. and then you see a guy you see the guys on their perspective they are at a nudie movie and i thought oki was masturbating <laughs> But no. no, he was getting a blowjob from someone. And I, I was just like, um, are you going to sit next to your friend while... Bros don't care, I guess? I don't know. I, you're asking the wrong person. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would just be like, like, I, know that like I would not do that in public. So I'm just like, whoa, okay. Right. Just, you're sitting next to your friend getting a blowjob. I mean, but then, the, but like, the, you're like, next. Okay. Because she takes a piece of gum, puts it back in her mouth, chews a bit, takes it out, and goes to the next dude. Yeah, because like, just like, like okay. hired for all of them or whatever. Right. I mean, think about, like, Mediterranean. It's, like, the same type of thing there, too, like, where it's soldiers. And they're like, okay, well, your turn is going to be right. here, and then it's my but turn. But that's in private, you know what I'm saying? Like, but, like, you're it's gonna... still, like, you know, it's, like... They all know that they're sharing the same thing, and you know, I don't know. I don't think it's that far removed. I don't know what I'm. It's just like watching your friend. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Don't know. We're we're insulated from those things, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. It, long story short, like there's you know, the back and forth of these things. Yeah, you um, show them Eddie and Rose connecting, and then you see the the guys doing what. They would do yeah like this is this is what eddie was missing out on right but in a sense and meanwhile and he's like better. falling in love so and they go back to her place now she goes to a they go to a bar where he's like oh i want you to sing for me yeah that happened before the music room we kind of oh okay on. okay but yeah they go to this bar where she she has aspirations of performing at some point right and it's like so he's empty like, but she knows like the owner or whatever or something like that and so like she's able to like get in and show yeah, Eddie show around him. and Eddie just like takes a sit in the audience that's completely empty he's like play something for me you know like let's do yeah, this yeah she sings a song and it, like they're just uh you see just like the the tension building I don't know whatever <laughs> yeah you can see like the connection coming along right. which is you know it's a slow and steady progression I think overall like on both of their parts i think she was initially more uh, surprisingly receptive to him despite his assholiness because he does have like a bit of a temper and you know, right. he swears and he's very opposite of her in personality and 
you can see her like the, them connecting uh, yeah yeah and, and him start to soften up a bit so it's yeah. like you know a good little mix near the end there and then that's when uh, she's I mean the night ends she's like I'm gonna go home and um that's when he's like well I'm gonna be leaving tomorrow and she's like well do you want to come up for a bit he does but she's like not like his thought is probably like yeah I'm gonna get laid I mean I think that's probably both of their well cause when thoughts, she but she just is taking things slowly. slower still cause when she gets to her room she's showing like she has all these pictures of all the folk singers that she idolizes she's like uh you want to hear their music you want to listen to this person do you want to listen to that and you know like this person's my hero and i want to be like her and then she's like do you want to play musical bingo and he's like sure i guess but then he's really like he's like i don't want to play bingo yeah (laughs) And that's when they just start kissing and it turns into like this awkward thing of them eventually sleeping together. But they don't show it, but you know, yeah. it's implied. And you know, she she kind of has to well before that, she's got to sneak him in cuz she's like my mom might hear us. And um same thing when he leaves. And that's when she's like, well, I can write to you or you can write to me. Here's my address. And then he takes, she writes it down on a piece of paper. He takes it. And it's pretty much like dawn at this point. I don't know. It's like yeah. 5, 6 a.m. Yeah. The sun is starting to come up. Yeah, he has to, he has to And he's like, I got to go to the bus, bus station. station. So, yeah, she's like, write to me. And then... This is like a very, I would have been okay if the movie ended there. Yeah, I would too. I'm I'm fine with it not ending there. With me too, but there was a couple points where I wish it ended because I like things being left open ended. Yeah. Kind of like how Before Sunrise was, where it's like, oh, is he really gonna write to her? So you see him, like, it's like a very beautiful shot. The sun's coming up. You see the Bay Bridge. He's, like, running towards the bus station. And, you know, you show her. She's, like, smiling, listening to her records. That could have ended, and I would have been fine with that. But then it goes to, he shows up at the bus station, and the guys were like, where were you, blah. And he makes up the story how he was with some corporal's wife or whatever like yeah. some colonel or corporal corporal's wife yeah. and Oki's like was she hot like explain you know they're all like he's humoring them whatever and then Burzen later on is like you know I saw you with Rose and mm-hmm. then he confronts Burzen he was like well I knew that you hired Marcy to win the dog fight so we're like even Yeah. so let's keep our secrets to each other yeah and there's like a good i don't know it's not really a line but it's like this sequence where person's like you know we're calling each other out of our bullshit and he's like 
that make that's what makes us buddies. Like bullshit is everywhere. The fact that we can call ourselves out and like that we bullshit each other. Like, yeah, that's it's what that was because I buddies. thought that's he what would makes be us Marines. That's what makes us Americans in right. a sense because of like all the different layers of it. And like, I yeah, thought we, he would be more of an asshole. Like yo, man, this is a bro code. Like you know, yeah. You you left us hanging, and I had to get this extra tattoo because he like he right. didn't like guilt trip him or whatever. No. Which I thought that was cool. Like, but then, no, like, you buy a little of my bullshit, I buy a little bit of your bullshit, and that's what makes us buddies. But then he, and then you, they're laughing, and then you see Eddie rips up the piece of paper that, with Rose's address on it, and throws it out the bus. And I would have been okay if it ended there. Sure. Because then it, it makes you think that she's going to long for him forever and he's never going to write to her. I think that would have been a worse ending than leaving it. Um, I like the longing, the though. I don't know. But then <laughs> it's like like these next sequences are just so like they're like three minutes. The next day is when we find out that President Kennedy was assassinated. Right. Which is Birdlace's birthday. Yeah. Which I, I'm assuming the has, day is that, supposed to mean something more sincere than it ends up meaning in the movie, but yeah. Yeah, the day that they're deployed is also the day that President Kennedy is assassinated. And then you see Rose in the coffee shop with her mom and other people watching. Or no, they they watched. Yeah, they saw they it on the TV. News yeah, yeah, the news. And then she's crying. And then it's goes to the next scene where the four guys are in Vietnam. It's three years later. Yeah. It's ni- It's now 1966 in Vietnam, and the four guys are playing cards, and, uh... They're just like... Oki's telling jokes. Yeah, the booby. The booby joke. <laughs> what, is, what does the ghost say to the bee? Yeah. yeah. Booby. Yeah, and... And then bombs. Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> like, they didn't even have time to, like, react to it. Then a bomb and that kills like Ben instantly. Hits hits Birdlace in the leg and they're trying to carry him. You see like a POV shot of him being carried and the other two like get yeah, blown Bert, away. Burson and Oki are like dragging him away, saying you're gonna be okay, like blah blah blah. But then that that I I thought that scene was the worst scene out of I was like, that's fucking weird. I mean, you kind of don't need it when you have the follow-up scene. Yeah, I was like, they didn't have to show that. Because then they show him, he has now been um, discharged from the Marines because he's been wounded. And he, you see him getting off a Greyhound bus in San Francisco. He walks like with a limp now because of his wound. And it's kind of suggested that his friends were killed because he gets the four bees on his arm. Right. And he goes into this bar that's across the street from where Rose Rose's cafe is. And he's like bullshitting. I kind of like that scene, though. Bullshitting with like the bar owners. Yeah, the bartender was really funny in that movie. <clears throat> yeah. It's like, yeah, like I have a tattoo, too. I'm in... It's like I didn't ask if you wanted to see it or not. And he's like, You're right. He's like, well, All right, let me see it. And he's like, it's like a he has a dancer on his. It's a belly dancer on his belly, and he's yeah. like, you get it, a belly it's dancer. A belly dancer. But oh well, on his way to the 
bar is you know now it's like the hippie scene in san francisco so you see a bunch of hippies walking around and some guy confronts them he's like how many babies do you kill yeah so and then people are like not giving him a good like welcome because there's a huge anti-soldier yeah sentiment for the vietnam soldiers oh yeah. yeah yeah even when he goes into that bar well, they were more respectful because they're like, you know, they kind of like looked away and like next rounds. For... Uh, yeah. Well, at first it was just like, are you a soldier? And he's like, yeah. Like, obviously he's wearing like his yeah. gear. And they were like, were you in Vietnam? He's like, yeah. So like he's being kind of like defensive and they're like, okay, here's the next drink is on us. Yeah. But then he starts asking like, what's go, what's up with the coffee shop? across the way like is rose still there and that's when like the patron like the bar guys are talking about rose lily taylor rose calling her like very homely or whatever like making fun of her sort of yeah and he's not really paying attention but then he looks out the window and he sees Rose and he just goes into the coffee shop. Rose, not hearing from him for those three years, is surprised to see him and all she can say is hi and they embrace the end. And he starts crying. She's like sort of crying, but also like yeah. almost, um, I don't know, like... Her, her expression is more like one of, uh... Like, why have... Why did you like I'm not... Like, for you type of a thing? Why did you not write to me yet for... And maybe I was, like, I was worried. It was, like, I'm worried... All there's of a, this is, like, a silent... Yeah, there's a lot of work being done. Like, I'm worried... I was worried about you, but why didn't you it, write me? The look is not relief. We'll say that. Like, yeah. it's not... It doesn't... It doesn't look like love. It doesn't look like relief. It looks like, um, oh shit, how do I tell him almost? Like I'm mad at him? Or like, yeah, like nothing's going to happen type Between of thing. Between us? Or you know? Yeah, I don't like know. That's kind of the impression I was getting. And then that's where that ends. So, I mean, I, I'm okay with that ending because it's still amb- ambiguous. <laughs> ambiguous. Um, but... I, I understand your point that when they initially say goodbye in 1963, that could also be a good spot to just cut it. Yeah. But either way, I mean, like, the acting does a lot of the lifting in this, and like you said, the writing, too. Like, it's it's very strong. Lily Taylor is just absolutely incredible in this. Playing, like, early on, like, the exasperated, you know, person trying to, like, rush and get ready and, like, wants to be, like, everything has perfect within like the two minutes you're trying to get ready and go downstairs and like all the different little nuances and then river phoenix is like the hard ass most of the time but you Mm. see the little glimpses of soft that he you know tries not to let through but then it comes through and then there's like a surprising amount of humor in this oh yeah like that's actually decent humor it's not like failed jokey jokes even booby right <laughs> we were laughing like that, at... that just fits it's Oki's just like, character because he's just like a big dork yeah exactly so uh, i thought okay this, it was a surprisingly good movie yeah and then rose i think i don't know if it was just like not wearing a lot of makeup or whatever trying to look quote ugly 
But she looked very young. Uh-huh. Even though I've seen her in Mystic Pizza and, like, Say Anything, and she was younger in those movies. I mean, those were a couple years earlier. So. But it just seems like she... Whatever, I don't know. <laughs> she just seemed younger, even though... In this than those in, movies? In this movie than mm. those movies. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I know this movie was shot afterwards. I know that the script had been lying around for a while with a bunch of different cast and director changes over the over the years. Um, John Cusack was supposed to be River Phoenix's part at one point. And then, uh, I thought yeah, the, that would be weird because of the whole say anything. He had to drop thing. out. Well, also High Fidelity later on, too. Um, and they originally wanted to have someone more overweight for Rose's part, but then Lily Taylor, I guess, probably just came in and auditioned extremely well, and they gave it to her anyway. Mm. Um, not much on in terms of awards, but there is this thing. I don't know if the group exists anymore. The only thing I saw on IMDb is this thing called the 2020 Awards, which basically looks at movies from 20 years ago. So this was it back in 2012, and you know, tries to re-nominate, re-award the Oscars oh. for the previous year. And so they, that organization thought that Lily Taylor should have been nominated for Best Actress. That's the only thing I could see. Oh, see, I would like... But nothing for the Spirit Awards, nothing right. from anything. I would knock off Rambling Rose with all of their shit and put Dogfight in, in their place. I, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Dogfight has... I don't know. Rambling Rose is just so heavy-handed when it got to the message, and it took forever to get to the message of that movie. This is a different movie with Rose as the lead character, which I yeah. think is much more effective in the long term and accomplishes exactly what it wanted to do. Um, also in 2012, this movie apparently was adapted into a very short-lived stage musical. Yes, that's what I had. And but I don't have much detail, so if you do... I feel like having a musical aspect would kind of um, I think ruin they would the just... flow of like what the the best parts of this movie is. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm weird with musicals, so I don't know. But uh, I don't know if they would use the folk music, like how Rose oh, yeah, maybe. was a folk singer, so it would just incorporate more folk Music, yeah, they have like know. you know, like the Bob Dylan song that they played at the end, and they had. The... Yeah, I don't know if they would play those, or they made up their own. If they made up their own songs, then no. Right, but if they have like Malvina Reynolds, like they had in this movie, with like, what have they done to the rain? That's what she played at the piano. Yeah. Uh, at the club, like you know, stuff like that. Um, that could work better. So evidently, whatever the, the the book or whatever they call those things that exists for this movie somewhere. So. Nancy Savoka is the director, Spirit nominated for her movie True Love as a director, also Spirit nominated as the writer for Household Saints, Sundance Grand Jury Prize winner for True Love, Alma Award nominated for the 24-Hour Woman, and she's also done If These Walls Could Talk and Dirt. Bob Comfort, uh, this is really his first feature. He did a lot of TV work prior to this for a few decades before this movie came out. He's done specials for Dinah Shore, Kenny Rogers, B. Arthur. He is a writer on the Red Fox show. He did, there was a, did you know there was a TV show version of Sidekicks, the Chuck Norris? 
no. movie? No. Well, there was a TV show <laughs> called Sidekicks, um, and he wrote for that. And then his only other feature that I could see is, is a movie called Good Luck that came out after this. It was like Jonathan Brandis in it, or was this no. like later? It, based off of that movie, I guess. But no, Jonathan Brandis was not in the TV show. Mm-hmm. He was like some little kid, I think. Anyway, uh, River Phoenix, we'll talk about him uh, a little bit more later, but as all you need to know right now is Oscar and Golden Globe nominated for Running on Empty, Spirit Award winner for My Own Private Idaho, which is what we'll watch later, Young Artist Award winner for Seven Brides and for Seven Brothers, Explorers, Surviving, Stand By Me, Mosquito Coast, and he passed away in 1993. Uh, Lily Taylor as Rose, Emmy nominated for Guest Spots on The X-Files and Six Feet Under, and uh, Lead Actress in American Crime. Fangoria Award winner for The Conjuring, Razzie nominated for The Haunting, Spirit nominated for Bright Angel, The Addiction, and Girls Town, and also a winner for Household Saints with Nancy Spoka directing. Um, Also, we know her from Mystic Pizza, iShop, Andy Warhol, Pecker, High Fidelity, Maze Runner, The Squatch Trials. Evidently, she's in that. No. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even think of who she would be. I don't know anything about Maze Runner. I just know we make fun of The Squatch I just, I remember, well, this is like around the time where they started, I read the books because of, I can't, the Hunger Games, like, became so huge, so they were like, let's make nine million versions of other Hunger Games type movies, Mm -hmm. and Maze Runner is similar, but, I mean, the Scotch, like, that's the second book, and, I don't know, it's like, the first book was very interesting, but... It's, you know, I'm not going to get into it. They they escaped the maze. and then But that's, like, what the whole thing was. So the second book was, like, about these kids escaping the maze. And I was like, I don't care anymore. I mean, Hunger Games is kind of similar, right? Like, in the first one, she won the Hunger Games. But then they she had to go back. Right. So you had to go back in the maze for more They trials. didn't go back in the maze. Oh, well, I don't give a shit. In the second one, in the scotch. That's why I was like, fuck this book. I, I, I stopped it. I was like, fuck this. Yeah, I never watched the, the movies. So, yeah. Anyway, we made fun of how whatever his face uh, says scotch. Little Finger or whatever yeah. his name is. <laughs> I don't even Sing know his Street real guy. name. Uh, <laughs> uh, Richard Panabianco played Burzin. He's been a, not a whole lot, weirdly. Uh, born on the 4th of July, Cadillac Man, China Girl, and Street Hunter. Anthony Clark played Oki. This is his first screen appearance. I know him from stand-up comedy and also yeah. the TV shows Boston Common, Yes, Dear, and Soul Man. Uh, I liked Boston Common when I was growing up. Mitchell Whitfield played Benjamin. He was in Reversal of Fortune, a TV show called Minor Adjustments. He was also the voice of Donatello in the 2007 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie and also has a few different roles in the Transformers show from 2014 to 2017. Uh, E.G. Daly played Marcy. We've talked about her in 1991's Dutch. Uh, Ruth Two Bears was played by Sue Morales. She doesn't have much credits. She did a couple episodes of Northern Exposure, Power Play, uh, and then also a 1991 movie called Past Midnight. I I loved her like dry, like stoic delivery of her lines too. It's like, I don't know you. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. She was fun. And then Linda was played by Christina Mastin, who did a couple roles, but is actually just a teacher she has a master's in education autism teaching so she's that um 
The big credit, of course, is Brendan Fraser, Sailor Number One. We talked about the whale, where he was also Golden Globe and BAFTA nominated, but he won the Oscar for that. He's in 1991's *Child of Darkness*, *Child of Light*, *Guilty Until Proven Innocent*, and *My Old School*. Went on to do things like *Encino Man*, *School Ties*, *Airheads*, *George of the Jungle*, *Gods and Monsters*, *Blast from the Past*, *The Mummy*, *Looney Tunes* back in action, and also a very memorable guest spot on *Scrubs*. I do want to quickly say uh, there was somebody at our school when I was in college who came uh, from Warner Brothers who came to our our, our school. And he said that Brendan Fraser took the role in Looney Tunes back in action as part of a back deal agreement where Warner Brothers was going to let him play Superman. Mm. But only if he did this movie as well as maybe something else. So that's, if you're ever wondering why he was in Looney Tunes back in action, supposedly it was because he was at one point going to play Superman. What, like George of the Jungle or but something? But then, it, then like... it fell through and that never happened and he still has this on his list. Mm. But that was a little fun little behind-the-scenes thing we got to hear from an insider at Warner Brothers that visited. So, Anyway, how would you like to eat my shit? It was his first... It was his first on-screen line. Uh, true crime and pop culture time. Alright, so this movie premiered at the Telluride Film Festival on August 30th, 1991, which was a Friday... And some of the other movies that were at the Telluride Film Fest in 91 was The Double Life of Veronique, My Own Private Idaho, The Ox, there was Prospero's Books, which I think is not on, it's on, on our, our list. list. Yeah. Okay. And then Hearts of Darkness, which is the filmmakers of the documentary about the apocalypse apocalypse now apocalypse now yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. actually also on our list oh yeah. is it mm-hmm. Stop, and so. then there was a silver medallion awards that were given and it was given to sven nykvist who was the director of the ox weird yeah and then it was also to these the nature's filmmakers award where it was about the we wouldn't want this wouldn't be on our list but it was for like a tv series uh nature series that was narrated by david attenborough Mm. and it was given to peter jones marion zunes and paul atkins the cinematography and it was like a TV miniseries. I don't know if it was on in the States or I'm assuming, but it was called The Trials of Life. And it's all about the, you know, it's kind of like Disney's Earth. Mm -hmm. So it was from birth to adulthood, the continuation of species through reproduction. So this is going to be a trigger warning for sexual assault. So when this You're talking about this is the true crime part. The true crime part now. This is going to be a trigger warning for sexual assault. So when this movie was released, like when it was um, wide released, I guess, it, it first, they had a New York premiere on September 13th, and then it was LA on September 27th, and then all of the U.S. in October, but around this time there was a scandal that 
is very similar to the story of this of the dog fight and I didn't know anything about this but I mean it leads up to a lot of stuff that you read about now but it's called the tail hook scandal and it was a military scandal that happened from September 5th to September 8th 1991 in which the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Marine Corps aviation officers were allegedly having sexually assaulted up to 83 women and seven men and this was at the Las Vegas Hilton in Las Vegas during a tail the tail hook association club for navy and marine aviators where they meet like once a year to socialize and like swap stories and they always have um i guess they always have it in vegas or in san diego and it's been going on since the 50s so this was just like a conference amongst navy and Mar- even though they hate it, don't they? Well, in the movie, they're like, there's this rivalry against the Navy and yeah, the Marines. Yeah, they probably just like shit talk each other. Right. In 90, 90- at this convention, it, um, it was the 35th annual Naval Aviation Symposium. And around, it was alleged that according to witnesses, so all of the people involved or all the men I guess were involved they took over a whole floor so it was the third floor of this hotel where they all each had their own rooms and during those nights throngs of men lined up that third floor suites and hallways groping women who would enter the corridor. So like if women were getting off, like taking the stairs to that floor or getting off the elevator, they were being groped by all these men. So they were at each end of the hallways and they would signal each other if a woman were to approach by pounding on the walls or waving their hands and um, signaling, signaling to the men who were in the center of the hallway to move to the sides to allow the women to come through but then when they do come through they would be touching their butts their crotch their breasts some women had their shirts or blouses yanked off or like lifted up and some of the men would carry the women up you know against their will and there were observers and participants who Like, they had security, and the security didn't really do much until there was an 18-year-old woman who was passed along through the hallway while men were, like, removing her pants and underwear and, like, groping her. And that's when finally two Hilton security guards saw this and intervened, finally. I mean, this was, like on the third night or something Mm. so i'm not gonna 
I found like nine gazillion articles about this because there's like a lot of back and forth, like their response and their the repercussions. But the about a month after that conference, it became known amongst the public. I guess it was like you know on the news, and it became like a widespread attention in the media. And that's when, like, the United States Congress had to get involved, directing the U.S. military to investigate the event and to verify verify the allegations and prosecute any personnel that were involved. The Navy inquiries were criticized for failing to adequately investigate what had happened. Also, it was learned that the Secretary of the Navy had attended the convention, but his involvement had not been disclosed in the Navy's investigation report. And as a result, the Department of Defense took over the inquiry, which led to approximately 40 naval and marine officers receiving non-judicial punishment, mainly for conduct unbecoming. Mm-hmm. An officer in false official statements. Three officers were taken to courts martial, which I learned about courts martial stuff when I was watching The Good Wife. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but their cases were dismissed after presiding military judge determined that the chief of naval operations who had attended the conference had concealed his own involvement in the events in question. So no officers were disciplined in the alleged sexual assaults. So then the aftermath resulted in a sweeping change throughout all military in the Department of Defense regarding attitudes and policies towards women. You know, the military critics claimed that the scandal highlighted a hostile attitude in the military culture towards women in areas of sexual assault and, you know, equal treatment of women in that career. And following that incident in April of 1993, the Secretary of Defense announced a revised policy on the assignment of women in the armed forces. Both services were to allow women to compete and for assignments in combat and aircraft and Navy. And um, there was... I mean, we still hear about this now. So. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like a girl that had to deal with like similar stuff within the military. Yeah, not, this is. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily women within the military. It was just like women in general being yeah, who were sexually in this hotel. who were in the yeah. hotel, and I don't like I didn't read too much into it. I don't know if like men were luring women to go down there just to right, be like, like hey, you yeah, want to? If they had all kind of like this that. dog fight, like hey, there's a party on the third floor, go there type right. of thing. Yeah, because, I mean, if, if all the guys had all the rooms on that floor, then why would so many people be walking through that right. unless they were being corralled in some way or misled? In this case, um, the scandal was drawn... It was a TV movie in 1995 called She Stood Alone, the Tailhook Scandal. And, you know, there's been... There was another movie, The Invisible War, which... Did we watch that? That came out, like, yeah, yeah. ten years ago. That's the same. That's similar. It's just about sexual assault within the military. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was when I was more <clears throat> Yeah. 
And then there was a case inspired in a Law and Order episode in 1993, which was similar to the tail hook incident about a young female who was murdered at a hotel. But yeah, that when this movie came out, it was that was the con- maybe that's why this movie didn't do so well. I don't I, yeah, because I, of this. It scandal. definitely could have played a part. You didn't want to like. Um, you know, the Spirit Awards or whoever may not have wanted to feel like they were encouraging that type of behavior or anything like that by right. nominating something. I don't know. There's definitely those aspects to awards. Right. And I got all of that information just from random articles. It was like New York Times... Uh, the San Diego Tribune, military.com, just some of the stuff was from there. There's like so many articles about it. We'll have some of those on the website if you want to read more. Yeah. So we'll move on to rankings and ratings. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Dogfight? Uh, I'm going to give this movie a four. Yeah, it was a, it was a much better experience than I thought it was going to be. On my zero to four star scale, I think I'm going to say it's a th- Three. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy with three. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, more humor than I expected and, you know, more heart than I expected, but still, like, some, yeah, some weird moments here and there. Every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch it again? Yes, I would. I would, too. I don't, I don't think I would watch the stage musical, necessarily, mm, from 2012, no. but... Um, yeah, this was, this had two enjoyable leads and that's, you know, half the battle. Uh, if you out there want to watch Dogfight, as of this recording in April 2023, it's available on Canopy, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're getting away from the, the period pieces and the dramas. We're going into action. We're watching Backdraft. It's available on digital rental, PHS, or DVD. We'll see you then. Thanks.